Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. I'm hoping you can explain the hit on metals of mining. Quick question on ticker symbol AG, first majestic. My wife has a rollover 401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is eligible to be used to do a backdoor Roth. And provides unbiased answers. Well, that's pretty easy. Open up a Roth account, start moving the assets over there. Just know that every asset that you move over to the Roth is added to your income. Invest Talk, across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, January 7th, 2022. And I think by now, after the first five trading days of the new year, you realize that we are maybe uh, in a time of change, change that can work to your advantage or disadvantage. Now, I know Justin and I have been talking about this, and it, to me, it's kind of obvious. Uh, you can, and I, I have uh, our talking point today that kind of will demonstrate a little bit. But you know, um, change is constant in the stock market. But we have made a major we, meaning the. Federal Reserve, basically, or we, the country, have made a major shift away from very loose money to now going to start tightening, okay? Meaning the Federal Reserve is going to start raising rates. We saw from the minutes this week that they're going to be a little faster than everybody thought, and the market does not like it. That's where you've seen all that volatility. It does not like the fact that the Fed's gonna has changed from loose to start the process of tightening. So that's what we mean when there's a major shift gonna be going on this year. You have to pay attention. This is important as you build your portfolio to understand that there is a shift gonna be happening. And what that means for your positions and your portfolio. Okay, so it just I just want you to be aware of that. Now, of course, if you have specific questions what that might mean to various stocks or your 401 here or whatever, that's what we're here for. what we're here for. That's what KPP Financial, why we do this Invest Talk radio and podcast show to help you, to direct give you direction. So uh, I really do enjoy answering your questions. And be assured that your questions will help many other people out there, not just you. Remember, we're all trying to build a comfortable financial future. On today's program and podcast, we operate with the same mission statement, independent thinking, and shared success, and we will do that every day this new year as we've done for the last, I think, 1999 when I started doing the show. So 22 years, tends to be 23 years. Before that, Jerry's grandfather... Uh, uh, Gerald Klein did it for a number of years before that. Same missions kind of statement. Okay? That means all the market reporting, all our 
uh, process explanations, our educational segments, and the stock commentary. We'll do that all without a bias of any kind and as accurate as we can. Now, don't make the mistake that we're perfect. We're not. Everybody's imperfect, and we are imperfect as well. But we'll do our best to give you factual information without any bias one way or another. So, with no further ado, let's go ahead and start. Bennett, let's talk to Bennett in Georgia. How you doing, Bennett? Hi, Steve. How's it going? Good. Thank you for the call. Hi, um, I was just wondering um, if you could take a look at PHM um, and just let me know if you think it's a good company to get into right now. Uh, it's a really good company. This is Pulte Group, a home builder, builds single-family detached homes, townhomes, condominiums, and duplexes in 40 markets in 23 states. I don't think it's a good time to get into that this housing market right now. I, I don't think it's a terrible time. But remember, we st- I started off by telling you that the Federal Reserve is making a change, a major change, and that is to raise interest rates. And, of course, that's going to affect mortgage rates, and that probably is going to affect the housing market. Meanwhile, this company is very inexpensive. It's a $52 stock, and they're going to make $9 next year. So their PE is going to be around, what, four? No, five, five and a half? And their five-year low is four to 16. That's the range of their PE. It's a very good company, very good company. But I think their growth rate is going to start suffering this year. So just be aware that if you do buy it, it's not going to be, you know, the the stock that it was in the last couple of years taken off because the interest rates and mortgage rates are so low. I think it's going to start having the little headwinds. This whole industry, not this company, but the industry, doesn't mean it won't continue to go up. I just think it has some big headwinds in front of it. Thanks, Ben, and appreciate the question. My focus point today is based on the story behind the headline, U.S. stocks posted a third year of double-ditch gains, but bonds faltered. So I like to review what happened in the last year and what, and maybe give you a little perspective of what's coming up. So the U.S. market gained 9.5% in the final three months of 2021. So that's very strong, very strong. How can, will I keep it up and going forward? Other topics I want to talk about, jobs. The jobs report came out today. I want to discuss it, get some little details on it. Uh, Retail investors, what are retail investors doing? It's kind of interesting, a little survey that came up about, especially young investors, the ones I want to focus on. And you know who Muhammad Al-Harain is? He's a guy that's been around a long time. He used to co-manage the PIMCO fund biggest bond uh, uh, manager in the world, and, and he's now teaches. And I think he's a pretty smart fella, and I like to keep track of what he says and what he thinks. And he had uh, three three areas or dangers, he called them, to the markets this year. So I'm going to discuss that. Those are things I want to talk about. The market was down today. The Dow was down five points. The Nasdaq was down 144 points, and the S&P down 19. I think you've seen kind of a kind of a split between the Nasdaq and the Dow. Why is that so? Well, the, the, you could kind of 
pencil in your head that the Dow is only 30 stocks. The Nasdaq is much more than that. The Nasdaq is more concentrated on tech stocks. The Dow is more concentrated on old industry, boring stuff. Uh, kind of. It can't. It's not all true because these indexes change over time. You know, they add and delete certain things. So it's, every one of them do it. So there is a couple of tech stocks in the Dow 30. Um, but I'm just saying that stepping back and taking a look at the bigger picture, it's kind of interesting. It seems like the the tech stocks, the Nasdaq, is struggling here, and the Dow is not struggling nearly as much. Okay. Interesting stuff. I think that I read somewhere today like 49 of the S&P 500, 49 stocks are down more than 10%. I don't know if that really is a, is a telling figure because that's 500 stocks. You know, I think that could, in, the, in this week, I'm talking about this this week. Anyways, we have continued our first, you know, we have done, we're done for the first week of 2021. Training is behind us. So I bet you'll have find some financial investment questions for me. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. The InvestTalk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. Question about P.E. ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance. If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year. No question is too simple. Wanted to ask about Teladoc. And each question is an important part of the podcast. My wife has a role over 401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is eligible to be used to do a backdoor Roth. Steve and Justin are fearless. That's fairly inexpensive for this kind of explosive growth. The problem here is that you're picking a leveraged ETF. Tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk. You've been instrumental in my understanding how this market works. Don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. got a portfolio to grow and protect so get your finance and investment questions together and call steve peasley and justin klein they're ready with their unbiased answers invest talk 888-99-CHART 888-992-4278 let's talk to dan in san diego hi dan hi steve good to hear you again um i've owned hecla for a while and I'm just wondering, is it time to get rid of the gold stocks or maybe uh, stock up on them? What do you think? Well, man, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. I've been struggling with the same quandary. Is it time? Yeah. You know, because, because they didn't really do anything last year. Uh, in 2020, they did pretty good. But starting in the middle of that year, or maybe toward the end of the last quarter of that year, it just started to kind of trickle down and almost. Almost all this year, all they did was kind of move sideways. So, right. you know, do we do we say, okay, let's give up on those stocks, even though there's good value. I, I have a feeling I'm going to lean on holding on to our gold positions, but slowly start selling them anytime we have a run-up this year. And the reason why I'm saying that, the reason, is the Fed 
it's going to start raising interest rates. I think they're going to produce some fear. And gold raises, raises, gold goes up on fear and inflation. And and we still have inflation. It's not going away. So it should, okay, be honest. I think it should have went up last year. I don't understand why it didn't, because inflation spiked 6.8% or something. (laughs) Yeah, come on. How much more inflation do you have to have before gold should take off, you know? But, you know, I've, I've been pondering this and partners and talking to Justin and the other guys at the office. We think that maybe cryptocurrency is holding gold back a little bit. Money moving into cryptocurrency. And I'm, I'm not sure why. That's not a safe haven. That's a very risky haven. But it's also not tied to the dollar. And there's a, there's a thought process out there that it's independent from you know, manipulations by the Federal Reserve. and the government. But I'm, not, I'm having a hard time buying that, too. Dan, I'm sorry. I can't give you an answer. But I think we're going to hold on to it for a little bit longer. Okay? Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. My focus point today is based on the story behind the headlines. U.S. stocks posted a third year of double-digit gains. But bonds faltered. Now, we have had a pretty good year last year, better than I expected in stocks. I expected a normal year, maybe 10%, and we got better than that. What's interesting is um, a fixed income did poorly, and I don't know if that's that surprising. It's just interesting, but the interesting part, if you looked at high yield, did much better than just a core bond or a government bond for 2021. High yield was up 5%. Core uh, government and uh, core bonds were down 1% to 2%. So that that's kind of an interesting switch. And remember, high yield means high risk. But it may be because they held up so well or did bets better is because, they, you know, these are corporate, high yield corporate bonds and riskier bonds, and the economy recovered. Maybe that's a reason. What was also interesting was sectors. Energy, down 55%. Financial services, down 27%. Communication services, down 14%. What were the top areas? Technology, 34% up. Basic materials, up 30%. And real estate, up 38%. So kind of interesting stuff there. So what is going to happen next year? This year, I should say. Not next year, this year. I think it's going to be a tougher road because of the Fed raising rates and uh, reducing its bond buying, and which it's already reducing its bond buying. Therefore, it's tightening the money supply. They seem to be on that path. The minutes just released this week for their last meeting said that they're going to maybe start increasing rates as early as March. So before that, everybody thought, well, June at the earliest. And they're going to do three times, probably. Tough. That's going to be tough for the market to say, oh, just shrug that off. It's going to be difficult for it to say, well, okay. You know, it's going to be volatile at the very least. Well, it is an Invest Talk Friday, everybody. We are almost ready to start the weekend here. But my phone lines are open, so we're not quite there at the weekend. They're open for you to call and ask any financial questions you want to talk about. 
We'll try to give you some good, straight answers. 888-99-CHART. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are ready to answer your finance and investment questions. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Jay in Fremont. Jay. Uh, hi, Steve. Uh, Steve, I am looking to invest in uh, Citibank. Uh, uh, I wanted to know if it's a good, good buy at the moment. Thank you. Well, frankly, I, I, I'm going to have to say yes. Um, Citigroup, global holding company offering banking investment insurance and credit card services, they're pretty diverse in the financial area. And most people will probably think that, well, interest if the Fed's going to raise interest rates, won't that hurt banks? No, it does not hurt banks. The thing that when interest rates rise very steeply, unexpectedly, that hurts banks. But when the banks have plenty of time to prepare for it, they just raise their rates right along and they just make money like they always have. The reason why I'm saying yes to this is it's a $65 stock and they're going to make $10.23 in 2021, as soon as we get their earnings, but then down to $7.87 next year. Well, it's a $65 stock, so that P is going to be what? Nine? Eight? Eight and a half? Nine? Um, and they pay a 3.1% dividend. So I think a very strong cash flow. The only thing I don't like is return to equity is only 6%. That seems light. And their sales are falling slowly. I don't like that either. But uh, it's a $130 billion company. And it's a worldwide company. And I think the economy is going to do well this year. I think it's going to do well. And I, that I think will help them. And they're at a pretty good price. I think they can easily go back up to $80 a share. Easy. And they went. They hit that in 2018, 2019, and 2020. They hit 83. So I think that's an easy move. They're 65. Going to probably go back to 80 this year sometime. And thank you for the call, Jay. I appreciate it. On Fridays, I generally make time to fit in a quick rundown of the key benchmarks. So here they are: the two-year Treasury yield at 0.86, and three weeks ago it was at 0.64. So the yield on the two-year two is rising. The 10-year Treasury yield is 1.74, and three weeks ago is 1.4. So that's rising too. So both are rising, even though they are squeezing together a little bit, but, but both in a rising channel. That's important. You know what we talked about, inversion of the yield curve. So pay attention. Gold price, $17.96 per ounce. Three weeks ago, it was $18.03. Silver, $22.38. Pretty much the same as gold. Oil was selling at $78.77 a barrel. Five weeks ago, it was $66. Justin and I have a bet. We, he thinks it's going to go to $200 a barrel within the next couple, three years. I said, I, I don't think it will go there. I think it'll go higher than it is now, but anyways, um, national average gasoline three dollars thirty cents in California. It's four sixty-five. I think it's easily going to six dollars here in California next year or the year after. For comparison, in Texas today, gas at the pump averaged three dollars per gallon. That's very frustrating for me to read, by the way. 
Okay, uh, jobs report came out. There's 199,000 new jobs. I was very disappointed. They expected a lot more. Remember the ADP number? The ADP number early in the week was 807,000. That was their estimate. So that 199,000 is really low. And the ADP only counts private sector jobs, not public sector jobs. So the numbers were way off. The official expected, expected, expected numbers way off from that at 199,000. Meanwhile, the unemployment rate fell from 4.2% down to 3.9. Huh. Huh. The quit rate, 4.5 million. I, I mentioned this earlier in the week. Uh, the, that was the highest it's ever been. It was 4.2 million. People are trying to spin that to be a negative thing. That's not negative. What that tells you is jobs are plentiful because people are willing to quit, and they're probably quitting and getting better jobs. As simple as that. Okay, if they that wasn't true, if that wasn't true, the unemployment rate would go up. Of course, we all know that the way they count numbers is, you know, they don't count them exactly the way they sh- they are really are. But this is as close as we have to to getting uh, what the numbers are. And one last thing I wanted to mention, income was up six-tenths of percent in December, and it was expected to be up three-tenths of a percent. So income was almost twice as much. Increase increase in income was almost twice, twice as much as expected. I don't see any evidence yet of inflation kind of backing off a little bit. I don't see that. I don't see any of that. And I and remember, we've said, Justin and I both said, we think it's probably peaked at that 6.8% that happened in November. I think that's the peak. But I haven't seen any evidence that it's moving down and more evidence that it might be still rising. We'll see. Well, when we get the, the, you know, later on, we'll get, later on this month, we'll get December, CPI, PPIs, uh, all the other inflation numbers, and that'll give us a better, a better gauge. Okay, uh, let's see, what else are we going to talk about today? Oh, I only got a minute. Got to go. Okay, so everybody, uh, on the next investor, I have a story behind the headlines, what the Phillips curve says about spiraling inflation, especially in the COVID economy. Justin will look at this story on Monday. For now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hi, my name is TJ. I just have a question in regards to Innovative Industrial Properties, IIPR. It looks like uh, today is January 4th. A lot of insiders have been surrendering a lot of their shares. I'm just wondering if this is reason for a lot of the recent downturn as it's down 30 points in just the past couple days. However, I see the company is still fairly strong and like the sector uh, and real estate moving forward. So wondering if you think it's a good time to add. Thanks and look forward to hearing on the show. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, innovative uh, industrial properties, it's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, targeting acquisition of industrial real estate assets that are used for growing medical use cannabis. Okay, 
And again, the reason why it's falling is there's nothing wrong with the company. They're going to make six dollars sixty-three cents this two thousand twenty-one. This year they're going to make eight dollars and ninety-six cents. What's wrong is the stock is two hundred twenty-two dollars even after its fall. That's what's wrong. It's way, way, way expensive. Why is it? Because sales growth is spectacular. Okay, uh, sales in the most recent quarter, September is the one we have, not the end of the last quarter of the year, was up 57% sales growth. Before that was over 160%, then 100%, 110%. So it's growing so fast, that's why the price skyrocketed. Okay, not uncommon, high growth stocks. And of course, what are we talking about? This seven days, this last week in trading, you know, we're seeing a lot of volatility, high price stocks going down, uh, the lower value stocks going up. And so it's just n- nothing unusual about it. We've been suggesting that maybe it's time to, you know, rotate out of these high growths or some of the some of the high growth stocks and into more commodities and value-oriented stocks. And this is the reason why. They can be very, very volatile. Remember, again, the Fed is changing its position on money. They're going to tighten up the money flow. The easy money is going to tighten up. It's already started, you know, with the buying less bonds. But what happens when they start selling the bonds they have already in their balance sheet? What happens then? That's a more further tightening. Right now, they're just buying less. What if they stop buying at all? And then they start selling. And at the same time, raise interest rates. See, you're dealing with a little, a pretty big shift in what money's, what's going to happen to money. And I think you got to realize what that shift will mean. It will, it will hinder, it won't stop high growth stocks. It won't stop it but it will hinder them and they'll probably display a lot more volatility in 2022. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, the KPP Premium Newsletter was uh, finished today and it will be distributed tomorrow morning. Uh, In the market conditions sections, I explained over the first few trading days, the new year has been very instructive. We have experienced strong volatility. The larger, more defensive value stocks have clearly outperformed the growth sector. And this is very likely to, to continue. To see it for yourself, you don't have to believe me, compare relative performance using different indexes that track different sectors of the market. The massive number of ETS that participate in every slice of the market makes it easy. The trend to ease out of growth stocks and into value could easily be durable over the next year, this whole year. Okay. Clearly, when looking at fundamentals of companies, a high-growth area is significantly overvalued, overvalued, while the more mundane companies are not. We believe commodity names have a long way to go in this inflationary environment. For many years, there has been little capital investment in this area. Now, with the demand surging and supply weak and disrupted, money will be attracted to the various commodity spaces. The economy is fine, and the new COVID variant is not going to disrupt Disrupt it, though the spread of the virus is fast and spiking. The illness it produces appears to be relatively mild. Regardless of stock market, the worry concerns what the Fed might do. How fast will it start raising rates? Will that slow everything down? 
or frighten market so much that they react violently. Thus, when they react violently, where did that go? <laughs> oh, I love it when uh, when new stuff comes in and pushes what I'm looking at up. Well, when 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 the market when with the does react violently, does that scenario cause a recession? All by itself, not because of anything else. Crashing stock markets, if that happens, I don't think it's going to, but if that happens, they tend to, you know, that they tend to either be in front of recessions. <laughs> you know, so we'll see. In the portfolio management sector, most people know and understand PE ratios. So as they apply to, you know, stock assessments or valuations, so if you manage your own portfolio, PEs are a basic fundamental metric, and the investor should understand everything about using PEs and how to interpret what they mean. For instance, you should know the trailing PE, the forward PE, and the current PE of a stock that you're tracking. You should also know the average PE for the sector classification for the stock or stocks you own. High-growth stocks such as those in tech industry often trade at significantly higher PEs than the market. The overall market PE, as measured by the S&P 500, is around 15 on a long-term basis. But in times of high inflation, it often trades higher. And during low inflation, it trades lower. So, kind of interesting, I think. Stock ideas. Okay, um, emissions control produced products. This company, um, there's a couple of companies we mentioned here. We always mention two p- possible uh, positions to put on your watch list in the stock uh, ideas section. And this one was uh, dealing with air quality legislation standards, optimize engine performance, improve fuel economy. Company makes these kinds of things, okay? Um, so it has a four P a three. So we think there's, you know, a lot of potential there. I also mentioned a large chip maker that designs and manufactures microprocessors for global personal computer and data uh, center markets. The company looks to be a solid value play at this point with a 2.6% dividend yield. PE is nine. Okay. Of course, I always name names in the newsletter. So you know, once you get it, you get you get the you get to see what we're talking about. Finally, the consumer wants section, and if we're talking about flights. Have you have you tried to book a flight lately? Have you been looking at the flights? Prices are back up to where they were or higher. So the goal of finding the cheapest flight, you know, is there's been surveys as to how many days in in, in advance should you Book your flight to get the best deal, okay? And there's periods of days in advance that you should look at to get your best deal. If you're waiting for the last, you know, two or three weeks before you fly, you're going to be paying the most. You just are. But if you go too far out, you don't get the best deal. If you go out 100, 180 days, you won't get the best deal. It's in between there is where most of the time the best deals come. And, of course, I give you dates in the newsletter, what days those really are, how many days out from your flight time. So take a look. You know, we produce this newsletter every Friday. 
Every Friday, we provide, I, I think we provide valuable information. And it's called the KPP Premium Newsletter. You can subscribe. All you have to do is go to investtalk.com and sign up. You'll get the newsletter each Saturday morning via your inbox. Okay, let's bring it back to an Talk Voice Bank, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Bobby from Atlanta, Georgia. What do you guys think of uh, XPO Logistics? Is it a good time to buy or still probably a little bit more downside? We'll listen to the answer on the next show. Thank you. Bye. Okay, this is uh, provides uh, XPO Logistics, Inc., Logistics, Inc., provides transportation and logistics services to customers in North America, Europe, and Asia. Okay, in 2021, they're supposed to make, we still haven't got their final numbers in, $4.15. That's up from $1.52 the year before, per share, $4.15. Next year, it'll go up more to $4.76 a share, okay? Sales in the recent four quarters is averaging about 25 27%, 12%, 22% in the most recent quarter, and that's September of last year. 35 before that, 35 before that, 13 before that growth in sales. Before that, those the, the sales were shrinking. So, okay, is it, how's this industry? Is it going to do, do well this year? I think it actually will because they, you know I think the supply chain they're going to be they're part of the solution, right? Logistics services. So hopefully they're as being part of the solution, they'll have you know surging sales and, and earnings for this year. So $4.78, the stock price is $71. That's the tr- trick here. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a pretty high, pretty high PE uh, range. And, the re- you know, pretty high PE, what is it? C5, 1, 15, 16, 15, 16. And the range is 6 to 42. So it's, you know, not on the low side, but lower on the, below the halfway mark there. Trend equity is kind of weak at 7%. I don't like that. Uh, they have some debt. I don't like that. So there's certain things I don't like about the company. And the question was, is this, uh, has a, has it fallen off enough to be attractive? Because it got up to 90 bucks and here it is 71. It looks like it's coming into a lot of support in the mid sixties. That's at 71. A uh, month ago was at 67 bounced back up. Now it's coming back down. So it's hitting a lot of support right now, right where it is. It's 60s to 70s, and it's at 71. Okay? Appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay, let's uh, let's make it two in a row. The question came in earlier from InvestTalk listener in Miami. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Matt in Miami. I just had a question for you guys to take a look at AT&T, ticker symbol T. I really uh, noticed it kind of found some support at $23, it's $26 right now. And I'm already into it with a really small position, but kind of want to get into it a little further. I feel like it has a pretty strong dividends, good free cash flow. And I feel like this whole merger with um, Times Warner is kind of devaluating the stock. And I'm a long-term investor, or I buy and hold for a long period of time. So this would be a really long-term hold. Just curious what your thoughts are on getting into this a little more. Thank you. I, I have no problem as long as you don't have to make it too much, too you know, too over 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 balancing your portfolio. Um, I, I I do like AT and T. We own AT and T, 
in some of our managed accounts. Uh, it bounced at 22, as you said, going up to 26. It's hitting resistance right now at the 26, 27 level. So you might want to wait for a little bit of weakness, uh, and I think you might get it. But I can see it going to the low 30s before it you know, hits any strong overhead resistance. Uh, it, don't think they're paying that 7.9% yield. That's not gonna, That's not the real yield. That's what they paid before with Time Warner. That yield is probably going to go down to 4 or 5%, I think. Okay, we'll know better as time goes on because they'll announce their dividends. Um, so we'll see um, what it will be the rest of this year. But I think it... I think it's going to get into the 4 or 5% range at this price. So I do like it. Verizon also had the same kind of action as AT&T, you know, as far as bouncing from the bottom. Okay, when people leave, take time to leave an Talk podcast review on iTunes, we want to thank them with a courtesy of getting to their questions quickly. But here's a question that came in earlier. Have a question about INMD stock. I bought it recently, but it's declining now. Should I keep it? Buy more? Now, my first question to you, which I can ask, is, well, why did you buy it? Just because the stock moves down when you bought it doesn't mean it's something you shouldn't own. It means you you bought it at the wrong price. That's what that means. Right? But no one can see the future. You don't know it's the wrong price until after you buy it. But I can tell you for looking at it, it's an Israel seller of radio frequency devices used in minimally and non-invasive cosmetic procedures, women's health. It's a $54 stock and going to make $2.07 next year. 27 PE. Well, why is it so high? Well, because sales growth is very strong. That's why. So it's, again, a very high-growth stock hitting, hitting the wall. They all do at some point, everybody. Now, the question is, is why did you buy it? Did you buy it for long-term, short-term? Did you buy it for a trade? Well, it's got, it hasn't hit bottom yet. I don't know where it's going to go. Uh, it looks like the, the, the most likely uh, place, there's a spot right in the fifties in the mid fifties at their support and it's at 54. So it might bounce from here, but it broke the 200 day moving average. The next level will probably be in the mid thirties. So it's a stock I wouldn't own. Um, it's just something that doesn't interest me. This is invest talk. I'm Steve Peasley. They have one goal here, everybody, just one. And that's to help you achieve financial freedom. And we do that with providing as much knowledge as we can. And the work will continue right after this break. So get your questions in, 888-99-CHART. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Good afternoon, gentlemen, and thank you for your service. My question is, do you use stock screeners? And if so, how would you set up a stock screener going into 2022? I currently use E-Trade and am able to screen stocks based on everything from the basic industry to detailed financial information. But I just wanted your opinion on how to most effectively utilize a stock screener 
and possibly shed some light on your favorite industry plays going into this new year. Thanks a bunch and happy new year. Bye-bye. Okay, well, we've been, we have not been shy about we, what we think will work in the coming year. You know, we like commodities. We like basic materials. We like, uh, you know, uh, I, I actually think banks did so poorly this last year that I think they'll probably rebound this coming year. Uh, stock screeners, we, uh, we have our own screens that we uh, develop. Um, we'd like to download data, and then we'd like to massage the data through screeners. Now, a stock screener is what you do is you go through all you have all the companies out there and all their fundamental information, all the historical information in a massive database, right? And now you say, well, what do I want to look at? Well, the easiest start is well, what first? What sectors do you think will work this year? And of course, you better have logist logical reasons why that is so. And you can start with well, I'd like to start with the sector. X, whatever sector that may be. Let's just say banks, financials, okay? Um, let's say financials. And then you say, well, do you want big banks or growing banks or, you know, banks that pay high dividends? So each time you put in a different factor, first you put in a banks in here, okay, from 8,000 stocks to, okay, here's now three, uh, maybe a, uh, 500, 600. I don't know how many banks there are top of my head. Okay, now you say, well, I want the ones that are growing maybe higher than 10% in their sales and 5% in their earnings and pay a minimum of 3%. So each time you put one of those in there, it gives you fewer and fewer choices until you get down to just a handful in which you really then start doing your research. That's what a screener does. It helps you weed out stuff. Okay, and FinViz is a very good free, has a very good free screener, FinViz, F-I-N-V-I-Z. You can play with that. I think it's a very good screener for free. Okay? So, appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay, retail investors. There was a survey, a study done on retail investors, and they was broke it down by age groups, 18 to 30, uh, uh, 30 to 50, and, you know, they just broke it down. And they found that the, the young people, the 20 to 30-year-olds out there, uh, are, are allocating more and more and plan to allocate more and more money to risky investments this year. Therefore, high growth is what they're looking at, right? So uh, what I'm concerned about is I, I don't know if they understand how the stock market works. You know, I don't mind them being risky. I think a young person should take risks. I really do. But they said that they want to, they've already taken a lot of risk, but they want to take more in the coming year. And frankly, I think they should take less in the coming year based on, again, the sea change we know that's coming from the Fed. Tighter money will hurt high growth stocks. But I don't think they understand that, or they're not paying attention, or they probably just don't understand. It. They don't really know what moves markets, you know, and what moves high-growth stocks, and what causes them to hesitate. So, and we certainly saw that hesitation this week, did we not? Yes, we did. Okay, uh, and finally, Mohammed Al Harin says there's three dangers in the markets this year. One. 
inflation. He mentioned the 6.8% rise in CPI at the top in November. Number two, stocks uh, stocks are valued too high. And number three, rising interest rates. Something we've been pounding on, right? So he's he's a smart fella. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we really encourage you to tell your friends and family about us and ask them, just try us. Try the free download podcast. See if they have any interest. You can get yours anytime on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify. Anybody, everybody can get it. Independent things, share success. This is the best talk, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 